This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Yes! Thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best Hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys that own Eric Carlson in their keeper pools. I'm your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and with me, as always, is the maestro of the matchup, the player projection pundit, the chorus, the authority, the ad drop ace, the IPP MVP. Thank you, Oreo Salad, for that. From Twitter, also from Richard, the forecasting fanatic, the rotisserie robot, the poobah prognostication. I've got more, but we got to get started. Brian Hello, Elon. Hello, everyone. Elon, you deserve a name, too. How about the IR superstar? With the way you have managed our IR in our league where we both own a team, we're going, well, I don't want to jinx it. We have a really good shot at making the finals next week, depending on tonight's games. Elon, do you want to tell the story of how you became the IR superstar? I figured out a trick on Yahoo. I'm very proud of this. Let me know if you guys have heard of this before. If not, I want this to be named after me. Okay, say you have two players who are day-to-day. So earlier this week, both Paul Stasny and Antti Ranta were both day-to-day. And so I was able to fit either of them into my IR plus. And so, and they were like, we only had room for one more IR plus spot, but we had these two guys who were IR eligible. So I went and set the lineup for the rest of the week on the days where Ranta was playing. I had him in and Stasny in IR plus. And then for the days when Stasny was playing, I put him in and I put Ranta in IR plus. So like yesterday we got Ranta's game. Now today we're going to get Stasny's game. It's like having an extra roster spot. So if going into your finals, you have a couple of IR eligible players who you think are going to be out to like Andre Palat, might be coming back next week. I don't know. You'll, you'll figure it out on your on your own. Go set your lineup. Maximize your roster spots. You can move people in and out of IR as you're setting your lineup until they actually lose their IR eligibility. So uh, there you go. That's a little trick for you. The Elon. The Elon. Dub the-, the Elon. Uh, we're, anyway, we've got a great show full of little tips and tidbits like that. Before we get started, if you're going to be in Ottawa on April 1st, you can come out and watch a game. With Elon and I, we're going to just find a place to go, watch a game, invite patrons, invite listeners. We'll keep you posted on the details. Follow us on Twitter if you're interested. And uh, we'll probably have details on next week's show. But Elon did not want to talk a lot about that. So let's get to the content. Yes. Okay. Did you say the date, though? April 1st, 8 p.m. 
Sunday night, April 1st, 8 p.m. If you're in Ottawa, come hang out with us. Okay, Brian, we've got so much to talk about. I can't believe how many injuries and outjuries are happening to people right in the fantasy playoffs. Obviously, outjuries happening to people is good. Injuries, not so much. So we're going to go through all the ones that I think are fantasy relevant, get your take on who should maybe be added, what people can do. Before we get to that, let's, of course, mention that we are presented by the best fantasy hockey website out there, which is DauberHockey.com. You guys all know what I'm talking about. If you are good at fantasy hockey, you're a frequent visitor of DauberHockey.com because they have articles every day talking about what's going on. you got your daily ramblings. You've got more in-depth articles investigating players, whether you know their hot streaks or cold streaks are sustainable or fleeting. Then you've also got a whole suite of tools at Frozen Pools, including like starting goalies and line combinations. It's all there. You can just spend all your fantasy playoffs there at DauberHockey.com and you know you'll do well. So that's DauberHockey.com. Brian, I want to get started now. You know what? I think injuries are too depressing. So how about we start with some outjuries and then we'll slowly get into the injuries. We'll ease in once we have people happy with all these exciting players returning. And I want to go to Buffalo first and start with the return of Jack Eichel, who finally came back to the Sabres on Saturday and he had himself a very nice return. He put up a power play assist and five shots on goal against the Chicago Blackhawks. The Sabres, by the way, have a really great schedule next week. They play Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. You'll love those off day four game schedules. So his owners must be ecstatic to get Jack Eichel back. If they're still alive, going to their semifinals or their finals next week, they get back the superstar with a great schedule. What could be better? Eichel, by the way, now has 54 points in 56 games on the season. His career high is 57 points. He's going to destroy Destroy that career high, even with having this big injury. Of course, he had big injuries in the previous years, or else his career high would have been a lot higher. I would be surprised if he beats that by like Friday or something. Like by next week, he'll have his career high season. Anyways, that's not all for the Buffalo Sabres. Evan Rodriguez came back. He's been back for a couple of games now. Kyle Poso is practicing with the team, and he might be back as soon as tomorrow. So here were the practice lines tweeted by at Joe Yurden today. They were skating in practice with Pouliot, Eichel, and Pominville. Scott Wilson, Ryan O'Reilly, and Reinhardt, and then Ocposo with Rodriguez and Griffith. So I guess spreading around Ocposo and Ryan O'Reilly and Eichel onto three different lines. Of course, also Sam Reinhardt needs to be mentioned there as one of the superstars. He's been so good lately. By the way, Zemgisker Gensens is hurt. I know no one cares, but just for completeness about the Buffalo roster. Top power play, by the way, yesterday was Eichel, Ryan O'Reilly, Reinhardt, Evan Rodriguez, and Ristolainen. And of course, I would imagine Ocposo bumps Rodriguez. So where does that leave us? We have this great schedule next week, a team that just put up five goals versus the Blackhawks. I'd imagine it would definitely behoove fantasy owners to check their free agency and see who from the Sabres might be available to pick up. I'd imagine Kyle Ocposo, if he's out there, is going to be someone you're going to recommend people add. He had a really nice run, if you recall, like before getting injured. He hadn't doing much for most of the season, so he was in free agency earlier, and people were probably kicking themselves for not picking him up. Anyone who did pick him up might have dropped him because he was injured. So now you can get him back, get those top power play games for like Monday, Wednesday, Friday at least, so he might be someone to look at. Jason Pominville might be worth looking at with four shots in each of his last three games. And if he's going to play on a line with Jack Eichel, pretty good. Evan Rodriguez, of course, had two assists in his return versus the Leafs. Nothing yesterday, though, if he's going to get bumped from the top power play, then you're probably not interested in him. So, Brian, I'll let you talk now. What's your sense of potential Buffalo free agents? Are there any in particular that you think people should target? No, I think you've pretty much nailed it as far as Buffalo free agents go. After last week's bum schedule for the Sabres that we talked about, maybe you've got a couple worthwhile ones floating around your free agent pool. Ocposo, to me is not so appealing. Pominville is in the better spot right now, but those two could flip spots at any moment as they have a couple times this year. And Sam Reinhardt just chugging along 12 goals, 17 assists for 29 points in his last 27 games. Add to that 74 shots, 
10 power play points again in 29 games. And Reinhardt has been so consistent through this stretch too while putting up those points. Only once has Sam Reinhardt gone two straight games without a point. Elon, I have a question for you. I, I, I don't know. I'm wondering if this is a toughie or not. How many people do you think have scored more points than Sam Reinhardt since January 18th, which I is mean- when his run began? Yeah, I mean, if you're saying he's above a point per game, I can't imagine it's too many, like maybe three or four. Would you believe 16 people have scored? I was as shocked as you are. I was thinking like, well, he's probably got to be in the top five since January 18th. There are just uh, a lot of points being scored in the NHL. Connor McDavid has 37 in 25 games. Malkin has 42 in 25 uh, Eric Stahl and Miko Rantanen are in the top five in this time period. David Perron in the top 10. Anyway, back to Sam Reinhardt. He's finally playing up to the second overall pick billing that he earned in the 2014 draft and has now moved into fourth place in scoring amongst his draft class. So congratulations on that to Sam Reinhardt. Okay, but Sam Reinhardt's probably not available for anyone, so it's great that we gave him another set of kudos, just like we did, I think, for the past couple of weeks on the show. But you really breezed past. So, Ocposo at Pominville, you're saying you would pick up Pominville for the Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule next week over Ocposo? I, I understand that you're saying Pominville's playing with Eichel at even strength, but if Ocposo's on the top power play, I think I'd rather get the top power play guy rather than the guy playing on a better even strength line. Like Jack Eichel himself, he had a point in the first game. It was on the power play, not at even strength. But anyways, I guess you have to wait and see, first of all, to make sure Ocposo's even on the that top power play because like I said it was Evan Rodriguez before but that's just because they haven't had a game with Ocposo yet he might not even be back but I think he's going to be back yeah I mean pick your poison uh, I think Ocposo probably has the better shot at being both in the top six and on the top power play at the same time better shot at doing that than Jason Pominville has so you can you can head you can try and put your bets on that but we have seen Ocposo just stick in the bottom six and be nearly useless at even strength so if that's the case, if that's where he stays, then you're essentially picking your poison between those two guys. I wouldn't call it picking your poison. These are guys on good lines and good situations and picking your antidote, right? You're picking, picking your somebody. smoothie. Yeah, I don't know. So I disagree with you. I say Ocposo is the clear upgrade like over Pominville. I would definitely want the guy on the top power play. And I don't really care about even strength that much in this situation. Anyhow... Brian, uh, so yeah, you've already given Sam Reinhardt his credit. Of course, Ryan O'Reilly and Razzle just aligned. And if either of them were dropped during that bad schedule last week, you've got to add them. They're great. Also, Brian, can I ask you, what's up with Robin Leonard? Like, do you know anything? I, I searched. I just couldn't find anything useful on Twitter. So I hope you have some better people that you follow that know the answer to this. So Leonard was a healthy scratch yesterday. He wasn't at practice today. Like, are we expecting him to play next week? And if he does... Like, I would think he could be a sneaky ad with his team finally getting healthy. He has a 9-11 save percentage on the season, but he's been closer to 9-13 over the past couple of months. So, you know, right about average, which would not be so bad, like especially for league count saves. He definitely will see a lot of rubber and he's going to probably get some more goal support now that Eichel is back. So I feel like Leonard could be a good guy to own for the stretch run, but I have no idea what's up with him. Is he healthy or is he going to be like Chad Johnson manning the net? There is nothing that I've been able to find about what's going on with Robin Lehner. I can't find much on the reason that Lehner is not even dressing or playing in practices. The likeliest scenario, I think, is that he's resting or nursing some injury. Although Lehner, Elon, okay, here's another question. How many goalies do you think have been used more than Robin Lehner this year? Is this like trivia time? Yeah. How many? This is more like a a family feud question. I don't know what kind of question this is, but like, I don't know, 20. Okay, so you, you well, you're in the right neighborhood. He's the 18th most used goalie. I would have said in the top 10, uh, I would have been wrong. So uh, it's not like he needs a lot of rest. If I want to speculate and conspire a touch, I might give some 
weight to the suggestion that Robin Lehner is not a part of the Buffalo Sabres future. And so they don't need to see a whole lot from him right now. I wonder if this is all a small function of him just not likely being a Sabre at this time next year or even in like two months from now. Lehner turns RFA once this year is done. And I'm not sure Buffalo wants to pay the near $4 million price tag for his services that he's been being paid this year. Although I'm not sure many teams will. So he'll be an interesting free agent to watch. Uh, The thing is, is that it's not like Chad Johnson and Linus Allmark are terribly legitimate alternatives, either in the short or long term. So trying to get looks at them rather than starting laner. I'm not sure exactly what that does for the Sabres, except maybe it helps them tank a little bit better. Anyway, if Robin Lehner plays, then you can expect the same as always from him. Big risk, little reward between save percentage, goals against average, and wins. But you may like him for saves. Again, this is assuming that he does dress again. Right. I don't, I think he's a little better than what you're saying. Like, if he does play, I don't think he's like a huge risk and little reward. Like I said, I think the Buffalo Sabres are going to score some goals. I think he might sneak in with a couple of wins. But if he plays, I don't know. I actually have him in my weekly league, which I'm going to the semifinals next week. I'm not sure if I should play him or not because I have no idea what his status is. Anyway, okay, let's go to our next outjury, which is in Winnipeg, where Mark Shifley will be returning today. If you look at the clock right now, it's 8.20 and the game started at 7.30. So let's take a look and get a quick sense of what has happened so far. Patrick Laine, by the way, scored a goal. Power play assisted by Wheeler and Buffalo. So many good scores on Winnipeg. And yeah, they get another back in Mark Shifley, who is back with the team, back on the top line, I'd assume, with Wheeler and Connor. Or I don't even know if you call it the top line anymore. The practice lines today had that line. And then Stasny with Ehlers and Laine. So great news for Winnipeg getting healthy. Stasny, by the way, like I mentioned earlier, was day-to-day for a short stretch. He missed one game. Then he came back the next game. It was a late scratch on Tuesday at Nashville, which, by the way, I hate. That's so hard, right? When people are scheduled to play the last minute, you happen to not have been looking. You don't have a chance to switch them out of your lineup. It's tough, but Stasny's into us. But he's back. He's playing with, like I said, Ehlers and Laine. Then you've got the third line of Cop, Little, and Perot today. Last week, we talked about how Brian Little might be worth a look with Shifley out. He didn't do much for a couple of games. He did get a goal and an assist on Thursday versus Chicago. So for anyone who held on to him after two nothing games, I doubt anyone did. Seems like obviously Brian Little's an obvious drop now as he's back to being the third line center. Last week, we also talked about Kyle Connor versus Matthew Perot, like which one would be in the top six. At this point, clearly Kyle Connor is the one you want since he's back playing with Shifley and Wheeler and Matthew Perot is on a third line with Little and Andrew Kopp. So take a look and see if Kyle Connor is available to you. Connor had three goals in his last two games. And like I said, we'll now be back on that amazing Shifley and Wheeler line. So I think it's pretty much that simple, right? Like everyone in the Jets top six should be owned and then no other forwards should be owned. <laughs> is, is that, does that pretty much sum it up for you? That does sum it up. It's been unfortunate for anyone who is hoping for big production from Little or Perot that they did not probably didn't quite deliver up to your expectations. As for anyone still in the top six, you need to own them all. The tricky thing with Kyle Connor specifically is that if he's a free agent in your league and you're sorting through free agents, you're probably going to be fooled if you're looking at performance over whatever number of days you're looking at, 14, 30, because that chunk likely includes some time spent outside the top six. But while in the top six, Kyle Connor has been quite consistent. So he's a great play and it's lovely that he's settled in to the top six in the lineup for now. Anyway, if you do manage to add him or have him on your team, he remains a guy whose deployment you need to consistently be checking. If you do own him to make sure he's sticking where he is because if Kyle Connor is not in the top six, he has not been delivering a whole lot. 
Right, and that's the same for most players, right? Even your beloved Derek Broussard isn't able to do too, too much when he's not in the top six. Oh, he's, he's right. been better lately, I know. But my, my point is that Connor has moved up and down unannounced and for no apparent reason before, so you have to just be on your toes. Yeah, for sure. And also, Connor doesn't have the same value that he had before when he was in the top six, just because Paul Stasny has bumped him from the top power play, but still on a really good line. So someone you want to look at if he's in free agency. Though one concern with adding someone like Kyle Connor is that Winnipeg only plays Tuesday versus LA next week and then Friday and Sunday versus Anaheim and Nashville so especially if your lineup's already full on Tuesday no point grabbing Kyle Connor just to sit on your bench on Tuesday then wait till Friday for him to give you a game you might want to just be strategic wait until later in the week stream him in at the end same goes maybe for Jacob Truba who has returned to the Jets as well he returned from his ankle injury on Thursday he put up two assists and four shots a great return and this was only in 14 minutes and 46 seconds of ice time which I imagine will increase they're probably just easing him in and he still was able to put up two assists and four shots I know, Brian, all throughout the year, you've been pretty down on Jacob Truba, and for good reason. He's done nothing for most of the year after really breaking out at the end of last year and making a lot of people draft him and think he was going to be something special. I'm going to watch this him for a potential late-week ad. Like, if he was available in any of my leagues, I would definitely want to consider him for that Friday-Sunday game. I know he's not on the top power play, but especially if hits and blocks are counted, he still is a pretty good player, it seems, and capable of putting some shots on net and hopefully get a point or two. You love to love Jacob Truba, and this is exactly what happens with Truba always. He's rarely a difference maker, except when he is. So sometimes, as right now, you get excited because you think he might be starting a run that can keep going for a short while. But at the end of the day, he's a defensive defenseman, and you need to keep your expectations very low if you're hoping for offense. Peripherals are reasonable. The rest, not so much. Okay, yeah, so I agree with you. Like, don't expect a ton of points, especially while he's not getting top power play time. But he can get you some points just because this Winnipeg team, it's like Pittsburgh or one of these teams that just scores so many goals that everyone seems to get in on the action every once in a while, which is also good if you're spot starting a Winnipeg goalie. You have a great chance of getting the win regardless of who he is. Like Steve Mason had a shutout before he got injured again. Hutchinson's even had a couple good starts. But right now, both Mason and Hutchinson are injured. So Mike Comrie has been called up. And Brian, you shared a tweet with me quoting Paul Maurice saying, we should expect Comrie to play in at least three games over the next like three weeks for the rest of the season. So I'm not saying obviously to go and rush to grab Mike Comrie, but keep him in your mind because he could be, oh, it's Eric Comrie, isn't it? I was just going to say, I feel like adding Mike Comrie might be a terrible, terrible move for your fantasy team. (laughs) He doesn't play in the NHL, and if he did, he'd be uh, probably not a very good goalie. But Elon, you're not far off. They're half-brothers, Mike and Eric. Oh, I did not know that, and I apologize. Why didn't you correct my notes while while you were preparing? You saw that I wrote Mike Comrie there. Anyway, I guess I have that vestige of being a Sens fan that has these names in my head, unfortunately. Yeah, Eric Comrie, the goalie of the Winnipeg Jets, the current backup goalie. I think if he plays three games for the rest of the year, those are three good opportunities to spot start someone who will have a good chance at a win. So definitely keep your eye on him, start him. If you're in a league where people are constantly streaming in backup goalies to get a game or two, he should be on your, I guess, roster of potential ads for sure uh eric comrie 22 years old uh, late second rounder from 2013 he's holding down a 918 save percentage in 31 appearances with ahl manitoba but if he does get in the net and it sounds like he will eric comrie gets to 10 twine for a top five team in the league who just got their best defensive defenseman back so yeah i want those starts i will spot him if i need one and he's available as a free agent Let's go now to our next outjury in Edmonton. Oscar Clefbaum missed a couple of games right around when we recorded our last podcast. We were talking about if people should add Ethan Bear. 
Uh, hopefully you listened to us and didn't pick up Ethan Bear. He did nothing last week. And I guess, you know, he did nothing again today. Like he was obviously not someone worth adding. Oscar Clefbaum is back. Anyways, he put up a goal and an assist on his return on Wednesday versus San Jose. No points yesterday, but he had four shots on goal. No points today. Also, I'm taking a look now. Edmonton lost three to one to Tampa Bay and Oscar Clefbaum. Five shots though. So he's trying. Sometimes it's hard to get the puck past Louis Domingue, I guess. And Edmonton wasn't able to solve him today, which was actually great for us, Brian, because our opponent in our joint league has Connor McDavid, who had pointless today, unlike his line mate, Ty Ratty, who scored a goal. So who would have had that as their guess of who was going to get more points between McDavid and Ratty today? Anyway, okay, back to, what am I talking about here? The defense? Edmonton has a four-game week next week. If Clefbaum was dropped, I think he's probably worth a go. I know that I keep saying... Like, he's the guy who I say all the time on the podcast, you should probably add Oscar Clefbaum, and he never seems to be that great. But he actually had, like, four points in his last five games before today. He's taking a ton of shots. He's on the top power play. Like, I know I keep saying it, and people probably keep getting annoyed that they pick him up and they don't do enough for him them. So I'm not saying he's going to be amazing. But if Clefbaum's been dropped, got four games this week, I'd definitely put him on my watch list, if not add him. Yeah, like we said last week, it's not surprising to see Ethan Bear get reps on the top power play as the Oilers see what they've got with him in that spot and not a lot of stakes at play. But Oscar Clefbaum is the one more likely to make use of that role. So I hope he gets there. I hope you add him. I hope he helps you. Elon, should I talk about Ty Ratty yet, or you want to talk about Nugent Hopkins first? Well, we could talk about them together, because as we talk about Edmonton, we always need to go and take a look at the line combinations, because they're always different every episode. Currently, Connor McDavid is playing on the top line with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Ty Ratty, which is great for both of them, right? It's good for anyone to play with Connor McDavid. Like, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, when he came back from his injury, Brian, you were saying you're not so into him. I'm sure at the time you weren't considering that he would be the winger on McDavid's top line. Now, I'd imagine you're going to change your mind, right? Like, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has four goals and three assists in seven games, at least going into today. It helped, like, playing with McDavid obviously helped. I'm not saying you were wrong, but I'd imagine you're going to tell people now if Nugent Hopkins is still available, people have to grab him, right? Yeah, they do. I I love that when we talked about Nugent Hopkins most recently, I said not only that was RNH's first half scoring unsustainable, but followed that up with a very specific warning that... If you're waiting for Nugent Hopkins to start suddenly playing with Connor McDavid because he rarely ever has, uh, get over it. It's not going to happen. And here we are. Uh, Boom. Ryan Nugent Hopkins is in the middle of a hefty stretch of playing with Connor McDavid and cashing in on the score sheet as a result. So yeah, as is the role with anyone playing with McDavid, go get him. And that brings us to Ty Ratty who, if you're wondering who he is, he was drafted 32nd overall by St. Louis in 2011 and considered to be a reasonably well-placed prospect, except for the fact that he never seemed to be able to crack the St. Louis lineup. Sometimes it was blamed on him. Sometimes it was blamed on St. Louis's depth. In any case, they finally set him free. They waved him to Carolina after playing only 30 games for the Blues over parts of four seasons. And then Carolina saw him for five games, waved him over to Edmonton. And since arriving in Edmonton, uh, Ty Ratty's steadily improved his scoring with their minor league affiliate. He has 21 goals, 22 assists for 43 points in 53 games with AHL Bakersfield. And now the 25-year-old is getting his turn with Connor McDavid. So yes, he is also worth a look in slightly deeper leagues. Like I'd still prefer Nugent Hopkins, of course, over Ratty. But then uh, Ratty's worth a look as per the McDavid rule. Yeah, it's someone who you add and then you check before every game to make sure he's still practicing on that line. But why not grab him while he's there? 
Thanks to Chris in the chat room who is keeping us honest here. Apparently, beat writer Rob Tchaikovsky for the Edmonton Oilers just tweeted that Oscar Clefbaum played his last game for the Oilers today, and now he is flying back to Edmonton to have shoulder surgery. So forget everything we said about adding Oscar Clefbaum because he is done for the year. So maybe you do want Ethan Bear or maybe Darnell Nurse. I'm not sure what happens. This is classic. Is it classic Edmonton? This is ridiculous. They said he was going to have clutch bomb. This is he's going to have like two procedures over the course of a week or two, but they weren't going to affect his ability to play. And he was going to keep playing anyway, which seemed foolhardy at the time. And I guess uh, cooler, calmer, more reasoned heads have prevailed and said, if a player has an injury that he's undergoing procedures for and there are zero stakes at play, then maybe it's best to just like give him some time off. Yeah, that is definitely fair and whatever. But Brian, this sucks for us. We have Clefbaum in our joint league. Only three ads per week. I guess one obvious ad now will be, or one obvious drop will be to drop Clefbaum and pick someone up. Uh, uh, by the way, Alex Edler is available in free agency. So I think he becomes the obvious ad for us. But I guess no one cares about that. But by the way, everyone, Alex Edler, God, peripherals, God, and finally Vancouver. I don't plan to talk about Vancouver today. So I might as well just say right now, they finally got some points a couple of games ago. I guess it was yesterday. Even Daniel Sedin got a point. So I guess they can at least score a goal sometimes when Brock Besser is not in the lineup and Alex Edler will get you your peripherals either way. But anyways, we're talking about Edmonton. Let's move on now to our next team, the Colorado Avalanche. Before we do that, actually, let's take a second to thank a sponsor for this week's episode, which are our friends over at SeatGeek. Okay, like now is the time to go see some NHL games. It's basically the playoffs for teams that are still in contention. If you want to go to a city where the team is not in contention and see their game, maybe see some young players. You'll see Ethan Bear try to be the top power play guy and you you could do some scouting for your draft next year. So it's definitely a really fun time to go to a game. So why not buy your ticket from our friends over at SeatGeek? Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. They actually sort. You can sort the tickets by value, not by price. You can see whether or not you're getting a good deal or not. The app Super easy to use. And if you are thinking that you love the prices, but you'd love just a little bit less, you can get less. And by less, I mean less of a price on your ticket because you're a listener of Keeping Carlson. Brian, why don't you tell our listeners how? Okay, all they need to do is download the app, enter the promo code KEEPING, and they'll get $20 off their very first purchase with SeatGeek. Again, download the app or you go to the website too, enter the promo code KEEPING. You like value on your fantasy hockey players. You probably are going to like value on your hockey tickets as well. And that's why you could go SeatGeek with our promo code. And that is keeping. But okay, Brian, let's keep bing on going with the show. More outjuries. We got a ton of stuff to get to still. So we got to really put the pedal to the metal and go to Colorado and talk about Eric Johnson, who returned for the Avalanche today. I was excited to get him back. He's been great for me all year. I was really excited about him as my little sleeper guy at the start of the year. He wasn't getting many points. He was taking so many shots. He was on the ice. Like his plus minus was good. Like you could tell he was on the ice for goals and just having bad luck in terms of not getting in on them. And then he really went off, was getting points, still shooting a lot, getting blocks. Then he sort of went cold right around the time that McKinnon was injured. So I wonder if that was correlated. Now, finally, he returned today and did absolutely nothing against Detroit. The Colorado won five to one and... Eric Johnson had no points. He was plus one. So once again, on the ice for a goal, but like no shots, no blocks. What? Eric Johnson, I'm going to need you to do better 
in the Cupful Finals if I make it, which I think I am going to. So I don't know. I'm very excited about that. But I'm, I'm not going to, you know, by the way, Dustin, that was a really awesome matchup. If uh, if I win, I, I really enjoyed that matchup. And you probably got a little bit screwed out of the finals because the other matchup, we both would have beaten those guys for sure. But anyways, we'll see how Eric Johnson does moving forward. Or Brian, how about you tell us? You're the prognosticator. You're the, what did we call you? The poobah of prognostication. So tell us, what's the deal with Eric Johnson? Is he going to get back to being as good as he was before he got injured and a little bit before that or is he going to go back to being like eric johnson like not really fantasy relevant we've seen a few different versions of eric johnson over the course of the last couple years we've seen fantasy irrelevant we've seen peripherals but no production we've seen peripherals and production we've never seen production without peripherals though so at least those go hand in hand when they happen so i'm not sure exactly what we're going to see from johnson this time around although i know what i can hope for first off uh, his cold streak before being injured was exactly the length of Nathan McKinnon's injury. Of course, when McKinnon came back, Johnson left the lineup, so there wasn't a chance to see if he'd snap out of it. Uh, and as you mentioned, goal scoring was down while McKinnon was out. So that is reason to think that there are better conditions for any Av to collect points with McKinnon in the lineup, which is the opportunity offered up to Eric Johnson now, who can generally be reliable for peripherals. Maybe he's just easing his way into the lineup. So we'll see if the points come out of 11 Avs games remaining. I would be hoping for like four, five, and then some shots and blocks. Remember, like, I don't know. I saw when the news came that he was back, I saw a few, you know, whatever comments saying, are we sure he's ready? Like he was supposed to be out a little longer. And if he's not quite ready, like if he's coming back a little bit banged up, not fully healed because the Avs are in a heated playoff race, then maybe... Uh, Some of those peripherals don't appear. Maybe he doesn't shoot quite as much or he doesn't block quite as much. So keep an eye on his peripherals. It's not an automatic until we see it start up again. And uh, hopefully, Elon, for your sake and for his owner's sake, that will be soon. All right. Well, at least you either have him stashed in your IR right now or he's in free agency, most likely. So you can maybe keep him in your IR for a little bit. Maybe try to see another game out of him. Or if he's in free agency, don't rush to add Eric Johnson. Add him to your watch list for sure. And let's see if he can get those peripherals back. Maybe get in on some points. He's not on either of the power play units anymore. So that's no fun for him. Sam Girard took that spot from him when he came over from Nashville. While we're on the abs, Brian, no point talking about McKinnon and Ranton and all those guys. We talk about them all the time. They've been so amazing. We'll get into them like in the summer series and talk about how how high these guys could actually go next year. Are they actually point per game? And in McKinnon's case, like 100 point guys. But let's like, give some props to Semyon Varlamov. In his last seven games before today, he had a combined like 925 save percentage. He won again today over Detroit, a 5-1 win. Let's see here. He stopped 37 of 38 shots. As Varlamov has been so clutch down the stretch. And of course, with McKinnon back, that means there's going to be a lot more goal support for him. Just like Eichel over in Buffalo helping his goalies. Now Varlamov's going to have some goals happening in front of him as he has been getting and he seems to be on a roll right now i feel like if you're in a shallow league where varlamov isn't owned i think varlamov is like definitely worth a look in my opinion but i'm gonna ask you about some other goalies later on and maybe i'll go varlamov versus this guy varlamov versus that guy and we can start to figure out where we rank him but i would rank him very highly in terms of goalies that might be available i don't think you could get much better i think he's on a roll i think colorado's a good team i think colorado scores a lot of goals like i don't really see much wrong with adding Semyon varlamov right now Semyon Varlamov is putting up his second best Delta save percentage since joining the Avs in 2011-2012 and just a third positive Delta save percentage in that time. So it's not like it's a great season amongst great seasons. Varlamov is also top 10 in goals saved above average per 60 minutes this season. So yeah, like if you don't know what those numbers are, essentially what they're saying is that Varlamov is doing a pretty good job 
with the work that's being asked of him and that Varlamov is outperforming what you'd expect an average NHL goalie to be putting up in the exact same situation. And that's something that Varlamov hasn't done in the last three seasons before this one, even when you account for the poor quality of the team that's been in front of him. But certainly the Avs seem more functional this year than they've been in a fair amount of time, and that can't hurt. So it's good for Varlamov, good for Colorado, and we will assess his exact value and where he's tiered. Probably, I don't know if we'll get to him again before the end of this season, but he will be an interesting guy to talk about well, I guess throughout the rest of this episode when you ask me to rank him against others and to talk about in the offseason and in advance of next season when we try and figure out what Colorado is going to look like next year. What a jump they've made. Yeah, I remember a lot of people didn't draft guys like McKinnon and, of course, Varlamov because they were just like, because Colorado. Like, they're so bad. There's no point having guys on their team. And they've really proven everyone wrong. McKinnon can do that. And Varlamov's a good goalie. When he's healthy, he's good. He's been relatively healthy this year, aside from a couple short stretches. So, I mean, good for him. Good for the fantasy owners who went and added him and are reaping the rewards right now in their fantasy playoffs. Maybe a potential playoff MVP for some people. Okay, next outro I want to talk about is James Neal, who finally returned to the Vegas Golden Knights on Friday after missing eight games he played again today and i believe he scored a goal yes james neil oh no he assisted on a goal by william carlson so neil actually took a spot on the top line with marcia so and william carlson that's a place where a lot of people have been taking turns at alex tuck thomas tatar david perron all failed to do anything over the past week taking riley smith's spot on that top line neil did nothing himself on friday versus minnesota but an assist today so it's something and it's nice to see by the way this line finally did Doing something. William Carlson had a hat trick today after being cold for a bit. Jonathan Marcheseau was pointless for seven straight games going into today, but now Marcheseau got an assist, got himself back on the board. I was actually planning on asking you, Brian, about a bunch of Vegas players just to be like, oh, is the time has the bubble finally burst? Maybe now's the time. Like, you know, a lot of people were predicting that they would be regressing at some point throughout the year because they were having such high shooting percentages. I was wondering if this is actually now the time that regression is hitting or if it's just a cold streak. Obviously, this game against Calgary today is a point in the favor of saying that Vegas is just fine and this top line is still really good curious to see what you think moving forward like also I was going to ask you about Marc-Andre Fleury who has been struggling a bit lately at least he had two straight bad games which is very rare for him and I was worried maybe he'd be a scary guy to own moving forward not scary but you know, not the super reliable guy he was earlier on and especially with Malcolm Subban back from IR I even thought Subban was going to play today but it turned out that Marc-Andre Fleury got the start and he got a shutout so who knows right now with Vegas? Like everyone seems good and everything seems fine. So I'm not even sure what there really is to talk about on Vegas, but I know you've prepared some stuff. So why don't you tell me what you think about the Vegas Golden Knights at this point? Well, you wanted to know if I thought the whole team was slumping as they deserve to do, or if, uh, well, no, I guess that's a, a conflation, a mixing of the two things you were asking me. You were asking me if it was random that suddenly Vegas wasn't scoring so much, or if it was the regression. It's probably a bit of both. But for some specific players, like say Jonathan Marjasso, who isn't really supposed to be on such a cold streak as he's been. I mean, I've definitely flipped on Vegas since the first couple months of the year when I was like, this isn't going to last. I was wrong. They're really stepping up now. And if there's one guy I've believed in most the whole way through, and I believe the tape would prove this, it would be Jonathan Marcheseau. So I, I don't think that he's necessarily facing a regression correction. Maybe the lack of assists to some extent, sure, is his other teammates experience some lower shooting percentages than they've been able to see for the rest of the year. But on the whole, for Marcia So and for most of the Golden Knights, it's been a cold streak. And while it's really inconvenient timing, 
you definitely like, well, now they've scored four goals. So all that stuff about maybe dropping them is right out the window. Like if you were thinking of dropping them for Oposo or Pominville or someone like that, no way. I would still hang on to them. Um, Marc-Andre Fleury, though, is an interesting one. Since January 21st, Vegas has played 27 games and Marc-Andre Fleury has started 25 of them. Only two times since January 21st, over 27 games, has someone other than Fleury headed for the Golden Knights crease to start a game. And that's a lot of hockey. I wonder, like, yes, he got a shutout today, so maybe it's all forgotten. But I think that the amount of work that Fleury is taking on is starting to show he's posted only a 9.15 since that January 21st mark. And that number is as high as it is because uh, the front end of that stretch is pretty loaded with some of his better starts over those 25 starts. Vegas currently holds a six-point lead on the Pacific Division, and the Western Conference lead seems all but out of the question, certainly going to be won by Nashville. So it seems like a good time to let a backup spell flurry every now and again and i would be a little worried as a flurry owner if he doesn't get that rest because it's looking like he could use it i know the shutout today goes against that but uh, his save percentage has not been as good over the last 10 15 games as it has been most of the rest of the season so if you're a flurry owner you sort of have two things to worry about one is this, is him suddenly getting rested and the other is that if he doesn't get rested can he still perform today he proved he can but uh, he's got to be getting tired yeah well now with Malcolm Subban back. It makes sense that Vegas is going to give him some games, you would think. Though Vegas only plays Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday of next week. So they could just go flurry all the way for someone. Like, while you say, like, his owners would like for him to get the rest at the same time, if you're in your semifinals or whatever next week, you kind of just want flurry to play all the games. He'll rest and you'll be eliminated by the time he reaps the rewards of that rest. So we'll have to kind of wait and see what happens next week. I wouldn't be surprised if Subban gets in at least one game next week. Okay, next outchery, but this is an outchery and then an injury, apparently. Ben Bishop returned for Dallas on Friday after missing five games. He took a 3-2 overtime loss to Ottawa in which his 880 save percentage probably isn't a fair representation of how he played. There was this overtime goal against. It would have been 917 save percentage if Mike Hoffman hadn't scored that overtime goal. Anyways, now it looks like Ben Bishop is hurt again. He re-aggravated his injury. Kari Lettinen is in today right now for the game against Winnipeg and already two goals against for Kari Lettinen on seven shots at this point. So not a great start for Lettinen, but I don't know. Ho- I'm hoping that maybe this is just because he wasn't expecting to play today and he wasn't warmed up properly or who knows. Like Winnipeg's also like such a really good team, but I don't know, Brian. Like I'm not, it's like another one where like, I, just like the flurry situation, I had one thing planned to talk about and now everything's been flipped all around. I guess people need to rush back and add Kari Lettinen just in case Bishop is going to be out long-term. Like Dallas is a good team, I think. And next week they play Washington on Tuesday and they play Boston on Friday and Vancouver on Sunday. So maybe you could wait on Lettinen and try to get him for the Friday-Sunday games. Or maybe by then we'll learn more about what's going to happen with Bishop. Though, of course, at, the same, at that time, like someone else could have already added him or something else could happen. So I don't know, Brian. What, what do you think? Right now, I was going to ask you Bishop versus Varlamov for the rest of the season. I guess now you got to go Varlamov since at least he's healthy. Yeah, yeah, that makes the answer pretty easy. And just to correct, as of the time that we're we're speaking about Bishop's injury, you said he re-aggravated an injury. I think that's a fair assumption, but we don't really know. I mean, Dallas is in a really tough spot right now. They're in the most important stretch of their season, trying to stay in the playoff race, and they are flailing. They've got that awful, just soul-crushing 7-6 loss against Toronto, and then any lost to Ottawa is soul crushing as they lost three to two in overtime. And uh, they might've thought that Ben Bishop 
coming back was going to help them, even if he wasn't 100%. And it looks like that could have backfired. Maybe they should have given him a couple more days rest. We'll see what the prognosis is. We'll see what exactly happened. But in the meantime, between him and Varlamov, and well, let's say Letnin and Varlamov, you want Varlamov. Yeah, definitely. Though, if Varlamov's not available, Letnin is someone to look at if Bishop is going to be out long-term. So that's definitely something you should be keeping your eye on if you need a goalie going into your final weeks. Brian, we might need a goalie actually for our joint team. That's something that we should look into right after we're finished recording. Okay, next goalie outry. How about Antti Ranta, who finally returned for Arizona yesterday after missing six games and predictably had a really strong outing. He stopped 30 of 32 shots. But Arizona lost 3-1 to one to Minnesota. I know I've said this many times on the podcast, but if you're looking for a goals against average, save percentage, and saves, there are likely no better goalies potentially available in your free agency than Antti Ranta. So go go get him Like while he's healthy. The risk is that he might be scheduled to play a game and then get swapped out last minute and go day to day for two weeks, just like he did to us a couple weeks ago. And that was really annoying. We never knew when he was going to come back. But assuming he's healthy, Brian... How about we compare Ranta to Varlamov? I know those two guys are probably in similar tiers for a lot of people. You know, play goalies on teams that are not necessarily so great, though I think that Colorado is a better team. But also I think that Ranta might be expected to put up better percentage numbers. I don't know. So, so what do you think? Ranta versus Varlamov, and then we can move on. Yeah, I have a little more faith in Ranta's rate stats, but Varlamov has a much better chance at a win on any given night. So I will take Varlamov. Thank you very much. Okay, and also heads up, Clayton Keller has been reminding us of his early season form by putting up points in almost every single game again. It's so long ago, Brian. Remember when there wasn't a game that Clayton Keller wouldn't put up points? And it was like, when is it going to end? And then it ended, and it ended abruptly, and then it never really started again until now. Keller has eight points in his last nine games. He's been playing on a line with Panic and Derek Stepan. Arizona has four games next week. What could you want, really, in a potential free agent ad? Obviously, if Clayton Keller's available, you might want to go for him. I can't think of any reason not to add him for next week, right? Neither can I. Okay. And I was going to ask about Christian Dvorak. You made a comment here being like, you ask me this too often. But I'll just point out, Christian Dvorak continues to reduce. He has five goals in his last nine games. He's playing on a line with Max Domi and Brendan Perlini, which I guess is line two. So I'm into Christian Dvorak. Also, if you can't get Clayton Keller, you want to take advantage of these four Arizona games. I don't know how many goals they're going to score, but if they do score a goal, it seems like there's a good chance that Christian Dvorak might get in on it since he's been scoring so many goals lately. Yeah, he has five goals on his last 24 shots, which isn't like an insane shooting percentage. It's a little high. But Elon, as you have been banging the Christian Dvorak drum several times over the last couple months, uh, rightfully so. He's a good ad in a deep league. Okay, and I've got one more outjury, and then we'll get into injuries. This is a potential outjury. Matt Murray returned to practice on Saturday for Pittsburgh. Hasn't been ruled out yet for Tuesday's game. So definitely something to keep in mind if you were planning to ride Jari or DeSmith next week, trying to figure out which one to play. Maybe neither. Maybe it's Matt Murray back, and he'll just keep going for Pittsburgh, hopefully, hopefully, until the end of the season and far into the playoffs, because I have my Penguins bet to win the Cup. That would make me a nice sum of money i wouldn't mind it but okay of course just like with edmonton i always like to look at the penguins lines whenever we check in on the penguins because there's always so much potential for those random players playing with the superstars when we were last looking at them on friday we were seeing crosby with gensel and shiri Haglin with hornquist and malkin and then brassard with kessel and brian rust so guys like gensel and shiri always interesting since they've been doing nothing lately they're probably available in free agency 
and playing with Sidney Crosby. So you could probably grab one of them. Who knows which one? Who Probably Gensel, if you're going to get one of them. But who knows how long they'll stay with Crosby. Like I said, they haven't been doing anything lately, but in a really good spot. Then you've got Haglin, Rust, and Derek Broussard all on two-game point streaks after not having done much previously. So I don't know if that means they're more likely to continue getting points or if that means they're going to now slow down and guys like Gensel and Shuri will start getting points. I'll bet you one of these five players, Gensel, Shuri, Haglin, Rust, or Broussard, like one of them is going to have a really good week next week and we'll be able to say we were really smart for recommending them, but I don't know which one. I don't even have a specific question for you here, Brian, because it's always the same question. I'm letting you guys know the information and then I feel like it's up to you to decide who you want. The one playing with Crosby, the one playing with Malkin, the one playing with Kessel, you choose. Yeah, if you can't yet read the Pittsburgh Penguins situation with the info that you, Elon, generally present on the show, then uh, you can go back and listen to like every other Keeban Carlson episode ever. Like we have the McDavid rule in Edmonton. We have just like the general Pittsburgh Penguin rule that you essentially just summarized, Elon, very aptly. Yeah, though I think that with Pittsburgh, it's a little different. Like the McDavid rule is that you want the player playing with McDavid for sure. On Pittsburgh, like, I don't know. You might want Gensel. You might want Shearer. You might want Haglin. But but maybe not. Like there's good potential there if you're playing like in FanDuel or whatever. You know, you grab them for a day. You could probably get one of these players for really cheap. And then they might produce or they might do nothing. They might get shifted down to a crappy line. Who knows? Okay, but there is one guy that I want to ask you about on Pittsburgh who I haven't really heard anyone talk about before. I'm not sure if I've heard of him. His name sounds kind of familiar. His name is Jamie Alexiak. He's a defenseman on the team and he has four points in his last five games so brian who's this jamie alexiak he also hits a lot he has 19 hits in his last five games should people's and bankers leagues be taking note and considering adding jamie alexiak for pittsburgh's really good four game schedule next week if they need a defenseman who also hits you might be more familiar with jamie alexiak's sister canadian olympian swimmer who won all kinds of medals in the 2016 rio olympics alexiak uh, the hockey player male uh, was reasonable in Dallas at the start of his career as a bottom four guy. Been that for the last couple of years. Before those, uh, before the last two years, he had a couple cups of coffee with the Stars. Uh, but now he's being used a bit more in Pittsburgh than he was back in Dallas uh, to the tune of another two minutes and 20 seconds per night. So that's kind of a big deal for a defenseman. And that's what's helping Alexiak rack up these peripherals. So if you need them, go ahead and get him. But the points aren't going to be a part of it. Yeah, that's fair. I guess there's always the potential to get points playing on Pittsburgh, just like I said about some other high-scoring teams earlier, but I wouldn't bank on it from Jamie Oleksiak. Brian, I see you wrote in the notes here on my side. You're not supposed to write on my side of the notes, but I see you wrote, how about Mike Smith as another goalie out here? I think we talked about him last week, though. Do you have something more you want to say about Mike Smith? Oh, no. He's had a really hard time just, like, getting going again. Another loss today. Seems like he has not found his groove again. Uh, He seemed like he had after, like, 10 minutes of letting in goals in his first game back, but still not quite up to speed, it seems. So that's uh, that's not good for Calgary's chances or your chances in your fantasy hockey league if you have been counting on a super reliable save percentage that he has been offering most of the year. Hopefully you can get back on track this week. Yeah, well, it was good news for our fantasy team, Brian, because in our joint league, our opponent has Mike Smith, and we might come down to like that loss today, making the difference. It's very close as we go. You guys listening, you're lucky that we're even recording this podcast, because I'm very tempted to just go and watch the scoreboards and see if we're going to be making the finals or not. But we're going to keep going now into some injuries. We're like an hour in, and we haven't even gotten to injuries yet. So let's finally get started in Boston. They've gotten hit hard lately. Deja vu for me at the end of last season, where Boston were easy pickings for the Sens with key players hurt. Kind of seems 
like it's happening again. Hopefully these guys will get healthy for them when the time comes where it matters. But like, so, okay, so Patrice Bergeron is still out. I haven't heard any indication of when he'll be returning. Jake DeBrusque suffered an upper body injury on Tuesday. Missed the rest of the week. No word yet on when he'll be back. David Backus was suspended. Then he returned from his suspension. Then he almost got suspended again. Like news was he was potentially going to get suspended. Then it turned out he didn't get suspended. But then yesterday he suffered a laceration above his knee during the game against Tampa Bay and was pulled from the game and according to coach Bruce Cassidy he said there was no structural damage but the timetable for healing is unknown so I guess karma got David Backus and he might miss some time then we have Zdeno Chara he's hurt missed Thursday and Saturday McAvoy is still out of course that's a lot of players missing on Boston with all of this the Bruins still pulled off a three nothing shutout win over Tampa yesterday so go figure it's like I would have assumed this is the chance to make a bet on the lightning to have a chance to win at home versus Boston with all these injuries but no they killed him they destroyed him three nothing they didn't didn't have a chance anyway so now we take a look at boston going into next week they have a great schedule monday wednesday friday sunday one of the best schedules you can have so i guess we have to look at who this benefits one key player who gets to benefit from this david backus injury is riley nash who gets to stay on line one because it looked like yesterday it was david backus playing with marshawn and pasternak and riley nash had been bumped but then after backus got injured riley nash reclaimed his line one center spot. So I'd imagine he's worth adding if he's still available. Maybe not. Like maybe he won't be available since people were excited about him when he got on the top line before. And he's not a guarantee to stay there. As we've seen, Boston might try to find someone else, but now they have one less player to potentially center that top line. Also, I guess you have like Krejci and Rick Nash, who I don't know if they'll be available. Maybe not like they're owned in most of the leagues that I'm in. I guess the next player to potentially look at is Danton Heinen. He's been quiet for a while, but he's taken Jake DeBrusque's spot on line two with Krejci and Rick Nash. And Heinen has three and five shots in each of his last two games, so no points. But he is taking some shots, and he does have a better opportunity back in the top six. So, Brian, are any of these players who I've mentioned interesting to you? Like, is Danton Heinen even worth looking at, or would you wait to see him actually produce? Like, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, great schedule, if he could get some points. Danton Heinen is interesting as a deeper ad. I guess that's as far as I'm willing to go. Heinen had had just seven shots in eight games leading into these last two where he's had eight shots over two games. He also has just two points in his last 17 games. Uh, That's really, obviously, it can't be much worse than that for Danton Heinen with huge cuts to his ice time along the way. So he could be a real Hail Mary, but he's been really good earlier this year in that second line spot. So if you are desperate, if you're digging deep, Heinen is worth a look, especially if his second line deployment can stick. Also, Elon, just in general, Boston visiting Tampa on the road. So many regulars missing. What a huge statement that 3 nothing win was for the Bruins, making themselves look like the most formidable of playoff opponents as we wind through the regular season home stretch. And one huge piece of that win was Tuka Rask. He looked fantastic, totally up to the task of saving his limping team's bacon. And I'm saying all this really to just get to Tori Krug, who assisted on all three goals. Uh, I don't know if anyone realizes this, but Tori Krug is now on pace for a 60-point season. And this would be the first 60-point season by a Boston defenseman since Ray Bork. Back in 1995-1996, over 20 years since a Boston defenseman has been able to manage that. We'll see if Krug can finish the job. Thanks to Ty Anderson of WEEI for that little nugget. Uh, But back to your question, Heinen good is a deeper ad. And yeah, Riley Nash uh, gets uh, maybe a save execution on your roster now that Backus is out and he still might be needed in the top six. 
And of course, we don't know how long Bacchus will be out. And if he's dropped, he might be someone you want to add. If he gets on that top line with Marshawn and Pasternak, again, when healthy, he could look good. And like I said, there's a long week ahead. Maybe by Friday, Bacchus comes back. So Adam, to watch this if he gets dropped. Okay, let's, Brian, now go to Minnesota. Really tough injury. Jared Spurgeon is expected to miss a minimum of four weeks, which basically means the rest of the regular season. He suffered a partial tear of his right hamstring on Tuesday night. Brian, we traded a draft pick to get him in our joint league just to get a little insurance of a nice, reliable defenseman. Now he's gone, but whatever. We'll be able to win anyways, hopefully. I don't know. But anyways, bummer of a way for Spurgeon to end his regular season. He ends the year with 37 points in 61 games, which is a 50-point pace. Not 60 points like Krug, but still a 50-point pace for Jared Spurgeon. I'm sure most people did not expect that going into the year. He'll likely be a really good sleeper pick in drafts next year, especially for people who just look at total numbers and not point paces, because Spurgeon had a really great year. Of course, this opens up a big opportunity for Matt Dumba to join Ryan Suter on the top D pairing and also on the top power play. In two games since Spurgeon was injured Matt Dumba scored a goal against Vegas and he had a power play assist versus Arizona and he had four and six shots in those two games also played around 28 minutes in each of those games so Matt Dumba really getting a huge uptick in his ice time in his opportunities taking a ton of shots getting points how could you not want Matt Dumba I guess the only thing you might not want about him is his schedule and I see you've written in the notes here that you want to talk about that so why don't you tell us about Matt Dumba and his schedule for next week well I wanted it because it seems like such a slam dunk what more can I say Dumba has proved himself the last time Spurgeon was out uh, to be a reliable producer and a helpful fantasy piece and so I'm not surprised he's doing it again now Minnesota's actually lucky to have Dumba Spurgeon Suter like they have a few guys who can man the top power play and contribute all around and Pulleys are lucky to have those options potentially in free agency. But yeah, the schedule does hurt with Minnesota playing Monday and then not again till Saturday or Sunday. So if you do add Matt Dumba, you'll put yourself in a position where you have to decide to hold or drop him for someone you can get more games played out of between Tuesday and Friday. So keep that in mind with any wild player you own past Monday's games this week. Of course, if you have unlimited moves in your league per week, then there's nothing against you adding him uh, and then just dropping him and trying to re-add him. The question is, does he stay in free agency if he has another great game Monday? Just an extra little game you're going to have to play if you want Matt Dumba on your team. Yeah, like I think the harder question is if you have him now, if you've already done the obvious thing and added Matt Dumba, do you hold him after Monday? Like you said, he doesn't play again until Saturday. You could take a Penguin or a Canuck, like one of these many Penguins that we've talked about that might do well, or a Vancouver Canuck player. I don't know. Daniel Sedin might have been dropped, but I probably wouldn't add him. But yeah, those teams will play three times between Tuesday and Friday. Well, you'd be getting nothing from Matt Dumba or anyone that you add on Minnesota. I'm going to ask you about Charlie Coyle in a second. Same situation with him. So like, Brian, what's your general strategy? Like, Let's say you're in a typical, I don't know, 12-team league. Dumba's in free agency. You have him on your team. You're obviously going to hold him for Monday's game. I don't know, like, let's say, and you decide you want to take the risk and drop. I'm not going to ask, like, such a general question of should you drop him or not. But let's say you decide to take the risk. When do you add him back? Like, I feel like if you wait all the way until Saturday morning, that might be tough. Maybe drop him for someone playing, like, Tuesday, Thursday, and then hope that you can grab him back Friday morning. Do you think that's reasonable? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. It's like you're playing chicken against your opponents in your league, and you're trying to decide who's going to bite first. I remember a couple of years ago, Gabriel Landeskog got suspended right near the end of the regular season. We knew he'd be coming back for just like the last week, and he was dropped in a lot of leagues. I know a lot of people were wondering, like, oh man, I don't want to add him now. I, I want to add someone else who's going to play, but he'll be so much better than the free agents. It might be a similar situation with Dumba or Zach Parisi, or like there's many guys on Minnesota who are scoring right now. I wonder 
it, it, like in which leagues these players are going to get dropped. Like tweeted us actually. I'd be curious to know at Keeping Carlson. Let us know which Minnesota player is dropped after Monday and when you're planning on adding them back. I always think this is an interesting part of fantasy hockey strategy. And yeah, so I mentioned Charlie Coyle. He is a six game point streak going, even though he's been playing on line three with Matt Cullen and Tyler Ennis. So I wouldn't have expected this from him. Is there any way he can keep this up for the next couple of weeks once Minnesota gets back playing again? You were into Charlie Coyle when he came back from injury in November. And I remember being surprised. You said you'd think at least like 55 points or whatever. I thought, what? Charlie Coyle? No way. But you, know, you were right at the start. Like he had a really strong start when he came back. Then he was doing nothing for a while. And now he's on a hot streak again. So do you think this current production from Charlie Coyle, is it sustainable or fleeting? Well, you can expect at least a half point per game out of Charlie Coyle, like for starters, regardless of what he's doing lately. But the extra lemonade that Charlie Coyle is making out of his lemony line three deployment sure is sweet. It's not not a good one for me. That was good. I was about Uh, to say that was really good. Thanks. Six of Coyle's seven points on this run have been primary points. That means either the goal or the first assist. So that's nice. But Coyle's three goals have come on just 13 shots, which is certainly a little more worrisome. I'd be fine to add him as a deeper option on Monday if Coyle is the best wild player available. Like I'd rather Parisi if he's available. Maybe Koivu. I think that would be an interesting one. Elon between Koivu and Coyle. I think I'd probably lean Koivu for his power play time. But anyway, you could add Coyle on Monday for one game audition, but maybe he becomes much more interesting to you when Minnesota plays their back-to-back games on Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, for the record, I would take Koivu over Charlie Coyle if I had the option for either of them. I was thinking more for deeper leagues where someone like Koivu is available. You got to take the guy in the top six and on the you know top power play, I think, personally. Anyway, but Coyle, he keeps proving me wrong. Like, he's more reliable than I thought he would be. That's for sure. Like you saying he's for sure going to give you half point per game. I don't know if I would have been ready to agree with you like a few weeks ago on that, but it seems like you've been right. So, okay, next injury. Let's talk about Matthew Kachuk, who's been out with an upper body injury for the past couple of games for the Calgary Flames. He's going to at least miss today's game and Monday's game. And then we'll see from there, not as big a blow to his owners as as I originally assumed. He's actually gone pointless in four games before he got hurt. So like he's still been getting great ice time and taking shots. So I'd imagine it was just a cold streak and an obvious guy. Like people have to, once Matthew Kachuk comes back, you've got to reactivate him right away. Like he's not like a Eric Johnson situation where maybe you keep him in your IR and you wait to see if he could do well, right? Like, or are you concerned at all by this four game pointless streak before his injury? No, not terribly concerned. Uh, it's unfortunate we won't get to see him bounce back potentially, or we'll, lean, we'll need to at least wait on it. But no, not concerned. Okay, and then with Kachuk injured, we could take a look at the Calgary Lions today. And since they got shut out for nothing, it looks like, as I'm seeing now on the Dauber Frozen Pools line combos, they shook things around. At one point, the game was supposed to have Furland on the top line with Monahan and Godreau. And Furland was also playing on the top power play, but it looks like Godreau and Monahan had their line mates switched at some point. And I see like Goudreau with Brower and Backlund for a bit. I don't know how long this happened. Anyways, hard to say whenever a team loses like this, if they're going to shake things up for the next game. But I was going to say that people should consider Furland as an ad once again, if he's going to be on the top line, top power play. It also looks like Furland wasn't on the top power play today. So I don't know. Forget about him. Actually, forget about everyone on Calgary. I guess that's not the obvious person. Like Christopher Stieg and Troy Brower were both on the top power play today as well. But like, come on, I'm not going to recommend adding either of those guys. Right. And by the way, I think TJ Brody got injured today, but he's probably not owned in any leagues either. So it's just the obvious guys, Goudreau, Monaghan, Hamilton, and Giordano. Am I missing anyone? I think that's it. No, but with Calgary's Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule, Michael Furlan could be worth something to you as, like, I'm going to say Chris Versteeg. Look, he has not had a great season, just eight points in 22 games before he got injured back in November and is now back, uh, just played his first game against San Jose. Oh, I guess he played again against uh, Vegas. 
today and still didn't do anything. But there's still the, the possibility that he does do something if you're in a very deep league, although I would still go Furland first. Yeah. Though I checked deployment. I haven't seen how they use their lines today. Yeah, I guess see who's on the top line. Obviously, it's good to be with Goudreau and Monaghan. But yeah, I don't really have anything exciting to say about Calgary right now. Hopefully, Kachuk will be back and everything will go back to normal. Okay, next injury. Anthony D'Angelo is hurt on the Rangers. Generally, this wouldn't be worth bringing up, but it's relevant right now because in his absence, we've had a breakout from another random Rangers defenseman that nobody had heard of. We talked about John Gilmore before. He's back to being a nobody again. Obviously, you don't have him anymore. If you do, then like I don't know what you're doing. Like Get rid of John Gilmore. But maybe now you need to go and add Neil Pionk, who has a great name, by the way. Really fun to say. And he's been currently being the top power play quarterback of the Rangers, and he has six assists in his last four games. So people have got to be at least taking a look right now at Neil Pionk, especially with the Rangers' offense really cooking lately. Brian, who is this guy? And are you into him? Like, uh, what do you think is going to happen? Like, obviously, Kevin Shattenkirk could potentially threaten to take his spot back. It was seeming like Shattenkirk was going to be back soon, but apparently he had a setback. So I'll bet you it's going to be another week at least where Neil Pionk will have a chance to play on the top power play with the red-hot Mika Zibanejad, who we'll get to in a bit. But first, Brian, let's talk about Pionk. I just want to keep saying his name a little bit. Neil Pionk, who is he? It's a great name to say and a great name on a jersey too. Neil Pionk is, uh, well, we actually mentioned him in passing when he was initially called up to the Rangers. That was when John Gilmore was the Rangers' blue line potential hotness of the moment, even though that did not last very long, as we sort of predicted. Uh, Though for his part, John Gilmore hasn't been doing much offensively, but still getting two or three shots each and every night. So that's good news for him if you need shots and are in the Super Deep League. But back to Pionk, who was considered a legit offensive defenseman candidate at the time of his call-up and has proven it to some extent in his first pro season, beginning with 17 points in 48 games with AHL Hartford and now up to 10 points in 18 NHL games. Pionk is an undrafted native of Omaha, Nebraska, and he was the University of Minnesota Duluth's top defensive point getter in his final college year just last season. He's a good skater, can move the puck, and sure should be allowed to keep running the Rangers' power play for as long as it's working for everyone. And of course, Pionk is especially appealing, like I said, because the Rangers have a lot of players doing well right now. And we got to start with Mika Zibanejad, who's put now out three straight multi-point games and has 10 points in his last six games. So Zibanejad is red hot. He's likely not available to you. If he is, pause the podcast right now. Go ahead, Mika Zibanejad, ASAP. It would be crazy not to have him. I don't even care if the Rangers don't have the most exciting schedule next week. You need to have Mika Zibanejad in there. But maybe if he's not available, you could grab one of his line mates, Chris Kreider or Jesper Fast. Kreider had two assists at St. Louis yesterday. He had a goal and three assists versus the Penguins in the previous game on Wednesday. Three of those six points that Kreider has had recently were on the power play. He's not shooting as much as I'd like, but hey, points are points. You probably want to grab Chris Kreider while he's on this top power play and playing with Zibanejad. And if you're in a deeper league and Chris Kreider isn't available, how about this Jesper Fast? He's got to be worth a look at this point. I would think he has five points his last five games since getting on the first line. This seems like a clear case of coattail riding to me. Like, I don't think anyone thinks that Jesper Fast is doing this on his own. And if he moves back to another line for someone like Pavel Buchnevich, and obviously you would drop him. But for right now, maybe go and grab Jesper Fast. So take a look at the schedule. Make sure you'd actually be able to fit him into your lineup. Yeah. Going back to Kreider, you ideally want shots and hits to go with points from Kreider. And he has not been providing those at all. Just five hits and seven shots for Kreider in his last six games. Uh, Those are garbage peripheral numbers, especially from someone like him. But like you said, Elon, you can't complain while he's putting up multi-point nights. Another person on the Rangers in the Kreider vein. How about Pavel Buchnevich? 
waking up to like Chris Kreider peripherals are not there. He's been getting mostly one shot, occasionally two shots each game. But again, that's forgivable when Buchnevich is putting up five assists in his last three games and three of those five have come on the power play. Yeah, Buchnevich is on a line with Nemesnikov and Jimmy Vesey, which isn't very exciting to me, though he is on that top power play, like you said. So he's definitely worth a look, but I would definitely take Kreider over Buchnevich at this point. Maybe Jesper Fast versus Buchnevich would be an interesting one because you're kind of going top line versus top power play. What's better? Kind of like the Pominville and Ocposo conversation from earlier. So I'd get a feeling that you would go with the even strength guy and go with Chris Kreider. Is that who we're talking about now? Jesper Fast? Who do you like between Fast and Buchnevich? I think that's what I'm asking you. I will take Buchnevich. Okay. So different than your Buffalo take. But obviously there's different people. Not everything could be just compared to be exactly the same. Sometimes analogies just don't work. Brian likes Jason Pomerville and Pavel Buchnevich. Who do you I'm, like? I'd probably go Buchnevich because he's on the top power play, though. I also like Esper Fast on the top line. I don't know. It's hard. I don't know. Get Chris Kreider. <laughs> Get Neil Pionk. Uh, I guess not Buchnevich, actually. I don't know. I just don't, I don't have a feeling he's not going to be able to keep it up. Like He keeps getting bounced around the lineup. Like Why is he in the bottom six? I don't know. I, I, I would look to see who else is available in free agency. Maybe grab Jesper Fast or maybe grab someone else that we've already talked about or we're about to talk about as we keep going. So tweet at us if you have Buchnevich. I'm curious to know who your other options are. Let's go to the next injury. San Jose has suffered some injuries lately. Eunice Donskoy suffered a shoulder injury earlier in the week. Vlasic and Melker Carlson got hurt yesterday. The Donskoy injury is the one that's more interesting. Like, kind of really hurts. Like, he has six points in his last seven games. He was really clicking on the top line with Evander Kane and Joe Pavelski. He was even getting top power play time recently. So I actually went out and grabbed Eunice Donskoy. And then that game that I added him, he got injured. We don't know yet how long he'll be out, but I would definitely recommend stashing him if you can. Like if you could put him in your IR or at least put him in your watches. But if you could stash him now and if he comes back to go right back to the top line and top power play, he could be a really good guy to bring into your lineup at a later point. He was on such a good run. Too bad. That sucks when you get injured like that. Looks like Yannick Hansen spent the majority of yesterday's game on the Kane and Pavelski line while Kevin LeBanc got a crack back on the top power play. Not much happening with Yannick Hansen, but LeBanc bank may be worth another look he put up a power play goal and an assist yesterday versus vancouver along with five shots he also had two points in three games before that so lebank playing on the bottom six kind of like a buchnevich line three with timo meyer and chris tierney which isn't great but it's nice to be on the top power play and the lines could of course shake up at any time san jose only plays tuesday thursday saturday next week so i'd imagine nobody should be in a rush to add anyone like even kevin lebank if he's available make sure you'd actually be able to fit him into your roster but like i said maybe the one thing you want to do with san jose is see if you could stash Eunice donskoy to get him back in your lineup later if he's gonna be on the top line top power play so brian it looks like here i've got an analogy right lebank versus buchnevich both line three both top power play who would you prefer between those two I will still take Pavel Buchnevich. He's been a little less consistently disappointing compared to Kevin LeBanc. Neither one offers you a whole lot. Like maybe LeBanc has a better shot at getting two shots in a game compared to Buchnevich. They have similar enough deployment. I'm going with Buchnevich. Do you disagree? No. I agree. I think we are in sync here. And by the way, since we're on San Jose, let's talk about those four goals from Evander Kane that he put up against Calgary on Friday. It was his first career hat trick. He was apparently one of the players with the most two goal games that never had a hat trick. Finally, he was able to break free of that and even got an extra goal for good measure. Kane also had seven shots in that game and he didn't put up a point yesterday in Vancouver, but he put eight pucks on net also through five hits. So Evander Kane helping his fantasy owners in a bunch of categories, especially goals. This guy is going to get paid this summer i'm telling you just needs to stay healthy for the rest of the year because that's the one concern with evander kane if he gets injured right now i'm sure people are going to be very concerned about signing him to a long-term contract but if he could just keep this up oh man like san jose is going to go for him i'm sure a lot of teams are going to go for him as an unrestricted free agent 
I mean, he is in a decent position to get paid, but I'm not sure Vander Kane will. Like, lots of red flags in his career, fairly or unfairly, uh, they're with him. Uh, poor deployment in Buffalo. Like, they just did not even want to put him in a good position, even though he was better than the players they had in the top six. Uh, but again, Vander Kane could certainly make a case. I wonder if it's more likely, instead of getting like paid in long-term contract, I wonder if he's going to get a bridge deal, like a show-me situation like Alex Radulov had when coming back to the NHL, where he gets a year to prove himself to a new team on a reasonable contract. And of course, I mean, if he keeps scoring four goals with San Jose, then maybe Evander Kane uh, earns a spot there next year. It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think he's earned his spot. The question is if they're going to be able to pay him enough to stay there. But it makes sense. And obviously, this show is not about trying to project how much money players are going to sign for. And we'll definitely get into that during our summer series when free agency opens and Evander Kane signs somewhere. We'll definitely discuss what we think he'll be able to do next year. But obviously, really fantastic now. It's been a lot of fun having him in one of my leagues. I'm glad I held on all throughout all the tough times because he is giving me lots of benefits right now when I need him most. But another guy who is injured and unfortunately not helping his owners, even though he's helped them all year long, is Seth Jones over in Columbus, having such an amazing season, up to 49 points in 71 games. This is very close to Tory Krug territory at this point. It seems like at least a 55-point pace, like Seth Jones. And it's surprising. Like People all thought going into this year that Zach Wierenski was going to be the guy in Columbus. Jones was probably drafted in most leagues, but... Obviously, right now, Jones is the main guy. And moving forward next year, Jones is going to be someone you're definitely going to want to draft in your leagues pretty high. He's been so good. But now he is injured day-to-day with an upper body injury, like I said. So we don't know when he'll be back. The obvious beneficiary here is Zach Wierenski, who gets onto the top power play with Red Hot, Atkinson, and Panarin. And got to be due soon, Pierre-Luc Dubois. And oh yeah, that guy, Alex Wenberg. So a fun cast of characters on the top power play. And I feel like it's a really good spot for Zach Wierenski to land in if he was dropped in your league for being cold a little while ago. Obviously, now you would go grab him. He's probably not available. But if he is, definitely you want him while Seth Jones is injured. Otherwise, I don't think there's that much more to say about the Columbus situation, right? Like it's Jones is hurt. Wierenski becomes the guy. And that's that. Yeah, great nicknames. That guy, Alex Weinberg, is excellent. And uh, I feel like you could shorten Pierre-Luc Dubois. Like, maybe Pierre-Luc, isn't he Dubois? Oh, I like that. And yeah, keep your... Columbus, by the way, has a good schedule next week. They play Monday and Tuesday, and Dubois might have been dropped. He's been cold lately, but he's on the top line and top power play. So he's definitely Dubois, in my opinion, to be able to put something on the board during next week's four games. Guy like Cam Atkinson, you gotta grab like he's everyone has him now, but we're gonna have to definitely discuss in the summer if we were wrong about Cam Atkinson only being a 55 point guy. He is really clicking with Panarin on the top line and top power play right now. Points almost every game. Fantastic. Okay, let's go to our next injury. Frederick Anderson is injured, but he could be back Tuesday. So no point digging too deep into him. Austin Matthews, by the way, should likely be back soon as well. I just kind of want to bring up Toronto to give a quick shout out to Curtis McElhenney, who single-handedly brought me to probably the Kakuffle tier two. Ottawa division finals with his shutout victory of the Habs yesterday by the couples of keeping Carlson ultimate patron fantasy league. And it's been a lot of fun all year and congratulations to everyone who's going to advance to their division finals starting next week. And I'm looking like I'm going to be one of them. I'm very excited. And I have to thank Curtis McElhaney. If he would have had a bad game, I wouldn't be there. And now Oh, it's so sweet. And like, who would have thought that my savior would be McElhenney? Like, I was actually deciding between Aaron Dell and McElhenney all day. Dell had that primo matchup yesterday against Vancouver. I thought that would be a really good ad. But right now, I'm very happy I picked McElhenney. Otherwise, my mood would be very different as Dell got the win, but he let in like three goals and that would have hurt my save percentage. 
anyway, you guys don't care about me, but I do want to say that McElhenney has been like really good. Like I don't want to say he's an amazing goalie and ask like Brian, how good is Curtis McElhenney? I know that he hasn't put up a career. Like he's had a long time to show us that he's an amazing goalie and he hasn't been able to do it. But this year as the backup on Toronto, he's played 16 games, 10 wins and a 935 save percentage. So he's been so good. Definitely one of the best spot starts out there right now, right? Like if, if there's another game down the line where Anderson doesn't play and McElhenney's available, I feel like you can't grab anyone better. Probably not, except I I might prefer Eric Comrie still, even though he's totally unproven, maybe a little more faith in Winnipeg than in Toronto defensively. I maintain still that every NHL team, no matter how well McElhaney is done, I don't think he's up to the standard of backup goalie that an NHL team should have. So I think Toronto is lucky they're skating by that he's working out so far. McElhaney is crushing it at even strength, outperforming his expected save percentage by more than two full percentage points. And that's a, that's a real big deal. So sure, try him for a spot start, but you're pressing your luck every time you do put McElhaney in the net for a save percentage blow up. So good luck avoiding that whammy. Brian, I mean... I could understand why you're saying that because of previous years, but at what point, like what more does Curtis McElhenney have to do to prove to you that he's a reliable spot? So he's a 935 save percentage. He's been amazing every single game he's played pretty much this year. He has to not be Curtis McElhenney anymore. He has to like change his name. He has to go to the federal offices and get a name change. And that's the, I think you just don't like, this is kind of a nerdy sounding name, right? Mac, I'm Curtis McElhenney. Since when have I discriminated against anyone based on a nerdy sounding name? Well, I don't know. You're discriminating right now against Curtis McElhenney, my that's hero. That's not why. I'm just, he has a, he's had, like, we've seen enough of who he is. You already summarized my points when you introduced him. You said, Brian, I know you don't like him because throughout the course of his career, he's never appeared to be this guy. So I don't think he suddenly is. I think that there's some goalies, and this is something I've sort of been learning this year. I think there's some goalies who aren't good, like, in terms of being a starting goalie. Like, back when McElhenney was on, what was it? I think it was Columbus, right? And Yeah, that sounds right. And Bobrovsky got injured and McElhenney had to come in for a bit and he did nothing. I don't know. If it wasn't Columbus. It was. It was. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, he sucked in that role as the starter. But I think as a guy who comes in and plays once every two weeks, he like gets in the right mindset. He knows how to do it. He seems to be, at least now, this year on the Toronto Maple Leafs, a really good backup goalie. I don't think he's a risk to blow up your save percentage. I'd say start him with confidence if he gets a start. So I guess Brian and I disagree. And you could tweet at us and let us know if Brian screwed you or if you want to thank me if you pick up Curtis McElhenney and he has another good game the next time he plays. Wouldn't, uh, I mean, the same, those are the products of the same result. He screwed you or you could thank me? That would be two different responses. Oh, I thought you were saying if Brian screwed you by recommending against McElhenney, which uh. I didn't totally. I just said like, Try him, but he's still not that good. But he's in a good position. He seems to be doing well. So go for it. Okay. Would you prefer McElhaney or Eric Comrie in a spot start? I mean, obviously it depends who the opponent is. But right now I'd go McElhaney. Like all else equal, give me the guy who just earned me my spot in the couple finals. I love Curtis McElhaney. But let's go to our next injury now in Washington. Evgeny Kuznetsov is day-to-day for the Capitals. He injured his arm or his wrist or something. like. He, he fell into the boards of Friday's game against the Islanders. Didn't look like he was too comfortable. On Friday, Andre Burakovsky stepped in to take Kuznetsov's top power play spot. That would, of course, be huge for Burakovsky to get on the top power play. There has been a game today, so let me check what happened in Washington. It looks like, yeah, Burakovsky was there on the top power play, also playing on a line with TJ Oshie and Nicholas Backstrom. So there's a clear beneficiary here of Evgeny Kuznetsov getting injured, and it is Andre Burakovsky. Unfortunately, he hasn't done much with it in the last two games, including today. He doesn't have any points. So maybe that means he's going to get bumped at some point and Washington lost today. But if he stays on the top power play, he definitely gets on my radar. How about you, Brian? 
I guess he does. Here's the Burakovsky story from this year. About halfway through the season, Burakovsky, who'd been very disappointing uh, to date, missed a few games with an illness. That was like in early January. And since he came back after that illness, Burakovsky has played 24 games and has still been terribly disappointing. Six goals, five assists, 11 points, only 40 shots in 24 games. That also includes time as a healthy scratch. It's been a nasty, ugly year for him that I hope can somehow be somewhat semi-quasi-redeemed by a turn on the top power play, which, by the way, is a relatively new thing for him. Haven't seen him in that role for extended time in the past, although we have made the case that he belonged there. And Burakovsky has also been seeing time with uh, TJ Oshie and Nicholas Backstrom at even strength. So in a deep league, that's a decent gamble to take with that kind of deployment. But the Washington capital, Elon, that I'm going to suggest that maybe you should be more interested in is Jacob Vrana. He had an assist in tonight's game against Philadelphia that puts him on a three-game point streak. And going back further, including tonight, Verona is up to seven points in his last nine games with 19 shots on goal. And he's managed this all while playing between nine and 12 minutes a night. Those nine and 12 minutes have been coming in part with Kuznetsov and TJ Oshie, and in part with much less appealing pieces like the ones he was playing with tonight, like Lars Eller and Alex Chieson. But he is certainly worth considering, especially if you want to try and guarantee yourself at least a couple shots. So, Elon, I put to you, I made my case for Jacob Vrana. Do you prefer him or Andre Burakovsky? I you already know, I, know your answer. Well, no, actually, I'm just going to pass on this question because I'm not even into Jacob Vrana. Let me throw another name at you, and then we can talk about all three of them. How about Travis Boyd, who played on the top line today with Alex Ovechkin and Tom Wilson, and Travis Boyd assisted on Alex Ovechkin's goal? I don't even know who this guy is, but I think I'd rather have the guy playing with Ovechkin than Jacob Vrana. Uh, maybe Burakovsky is the guy I would want the most because he's on the top power play. So I'm definitely going to have Verona last. I'm going to have Burakovsky and Travis Boyd as one of the top two that I would want, depending on who he is. And then there's also, by the way, Tom Wilson, who also had an assist today. And he also gets you hits. So there's some appealing options for the Capitals right now with this Kuznetsov injury. And even before, in terms of Tom Wilson, though, he doesn't get you a ton of points. He is good for the hits. Right, but who is this Travis Boyd, by the way? Sorry for throwing this on you. I know we didn't prepare this going into the show, but I guess we got to know now. He is a 24-year-old undersized forward, right-handed, drafted by Washington back in 2011 in the sixth round, so 177th overall, so not a huge pedigree there, out of the University of Minnesota. And this is his first NHL cup of coffee in his third full pro season. He's done okay in the AHL, if I'm doing my math correctly, very quickly, He has 116 points over the course of 172 AHL games. And that was before this year in which he has 44 points in 56 games with AHL Hershey. So he's been scoring down there. We'll see if he can keep that going in the NHL. He sure, you know, I like when guys who are known for their scoring in the AHL earn a call up. And then they actually get to play in a scoring role. That's like, that's the best way for things to happen. I've I've been on this rant before where NHL teams call up guys in the AHL who could probably be good scorers because they proved it at every other level, but they're stuck in like a bottom six checking role with very limited minutes and they never really get a fair shake. I feel like there's several careers we never saw take off just for that reason. So Travis Boyd getting a shot. uh, I still would have him third out of Burakovsky and Vrana. Ah, forget. Guaranteed Verona does nothing next week. Maybe also another interesting conversation. Did you listen to anything I said about yeah. Verona? 
You said he's gotten points recently, but he's on a line with Lars Eller and Alex Chiasan. I feel like it's luck. Whatever. Sometimes people get points. Doesn't mean they're going to keep... Are you going to add Lars Eller? He also had a stretch of getting points. You never said you were interested in him. And I guarantee to you that you're not going to add Jacob Verana in any league. I'll bet you he's not even currently on any of your watch lists. Bruce, I w- am I wrong? No, you you are wrong. And I was interested in Lars Eller at the time. And you told me not to be. You told me he was garbage. But Verana has been putting up points for nine games now. Okay. So we'll see you next week. You're I- usually interested in that. I, I like people who are at least in the top six or on the top power play, and Verona's neither. So pass for me, but who knows? Every, I mean, everyone knows that you are the, the brains here, and I'm the guy asking the question. So probably people should be out there adding Verona, but also I guarantee you that Brian's not going to add Verona. So it's not as if he's like going to eat his lunch or whatever the saying is for that one. And I guess since we're in Washington, also we should probably check in on the goalies, right? So Grubauer had a bad game today. He let in five goals on 34 shots. Does this mean that Hopi gets back in next week? We don't know right now. Capitals play just Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. What's your prediction, Brian? Who's going to play more games between Hopi and Grubauer in the three games next week? I think that Grubauer's bad start might give the Capitals a reason that they might be looking for to get Holtby back in the net. And then I think whether he stays in net is going to be a function of whether he performs well or not. The last time he was given the opportunity, he did not do well. So we'll see if he can turn this one into another start. I I really do feel like it's start by start right now. Yeah, so maybe if you want to take a risk, you can drop Grubauer right now if you really need to drop someone from your team. Maybe if once Holpe gets announced as a starter for the next game, you could switch out, but who knows? Like you say, it depends how Holpe does. One more injury, then we'll get to some hot and cold streaks to end the show. Vladimir Tarasenko took an elbow to the month from Neil Pionk yesterday, and he didn't return to the game. No update yet that I've seen. This is at least as of 4 p.m., so maybe you want to check on Twitter, search for Tarasenko, and see if you have anything more recent about how long he'll be out. Looks like Alex Steen jumped up to take Tarasenko's spot with Schwartz and Shen. But I'd expect a line shakeup if Tarasenko will be out. Like, this was mid-game. In general, I feel like everyone gets hurt by Tarasenko being injured on St. Louis. I'd be very nervous if I owned any of Shen or Schwartz or Steen or even Petrangelo. Like, the Blues are doing okay today. Looks like, well, they're losing 3-2 to to Chicago. So, actually, that's not very good. They're getting some points. Maybe you'll still be able to get some points out of your Blues players. But that just kind of sucks for Tarasenko. Like, I can't think of anyone who benefits from this. Maybe someone like a Tage Thompson gets into the top six. But come on, you're not going to add him. Well, maybe Brian would since he adds people like Verona. Oh, my God. I I swear, Verona is your type of player. I don't know what... Well, I guess without the deployment, he's not. I'm still... You have suggested worse players before. Probably on this show. Um, Tarasenko has not missed extended time in any of the last three years before this one. So we'll get to see how this affects things with him not in the lineup. I could see Jaden Schwartz and Braden Chen trying to step up, making the most of added responsibilities. But even then, I can't say that their upside is suddenly a whole lot better without Tarasenko. One guy having no trouble producing without Vladimir Tarasenko tonight, Vince Dunn with one power play goal, one power play assist, just keeps on rolling. When you say keeps on rolling, was he rolling at all before today? No, but he still (laughs) is somehow in that power play one conversation in St. Louis. He only has 20 points on the season, although in 65 games, it's not awful. It's not awful. And he actually had a power play assist also in yesterday's game against the Rangers. That's a two-game power play point streak. So yeah, take a look at Vince Dunn if you want some power play points from a defenseman for next week. Let's go to some hot streaks and cold streaks now. Aside from Vince Dunn, you messaged me earlier in the week, Brian, saying we've got to bring up Arturi Lekkanen on the show. And I can definitely see why. He has four goals in his last five games. No points versus McElhaney in Toronto yesterday, of course. But Arturi Lekkanen had seven shots on goal, which is fantastic. He was playing on a line with Alex Galchenyuk and De La Rose. 
yesterday. I assume you're still into Lekanen for next week, especially with the Habs playing four games. Yeah, I am still into Lekanen. And the Habs have a very desirable Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule in a week where Tuesday and Thursday are probably loaded up. So Lekanen on your squad is probably a great way to add a few extra games rather than benching the lowest end forwards on Tuesday and Thursday, not even potentially getting a game out of them until later in the week. Leganen has four goals on 21 shots in his last five games. Unfortunately, his power play role is minimal, but lovely that he still manages to rack up so many shots without even getting grade A opportunities. So he's definitely someone to look at, definitely for shots on goal also. If he's going to take seven shots like he did yesterday, then that would be very valuable to get someone who's going to give you that on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. A huge leg up versus, like you say, having someone not even playing on your roster because he's sitting on Tuesday and Thursday. Next, Brian, in Chicago, should we be paying attention to this guy, Eric Gustafsson, on Chicago? He's a defenseman, and he's put up some points recently. He had two goals and four assists in four games. Like a couple games ago, that was his stretch. Now for the last couple of games, he was pointless, but he did put up three and five shots. Chicago's playing again today so i can take a look in a second and see how he's doing today but it looks like also eric gustafson has been getting top unit power play time at least in the last three games the usage of chicago defensemen have been so weird this season like i don't know why they don't just put duncan keith there like they always seem to do but i guess obviously they haven't been too into him now i see duncan keith actually got some points today which might really hurt us because our opponent has him but regardless what do you think of this guy eric gustafson is there anything there like he tells who this guy is should people be riding him as long as he's the top power play defenseman is he still the top power play defenseman Hard to say. And we've seen this role change a whole lot of times. And Eric Gustafson makes what? The the fourth, who's that? Defenseman in Chicago to come up on our radars this year. We've had Jan Ruta, Cody Franson, Jordan Osterley. Uh, I don't think I'm missing one. So Gustafson is the fourth player to come out of nowhere and be used in a really great spot in Chicago. Uh, the 26-year-old Swede was an early fourth-round pick of the Edmonton Oilers back in 2012. Gustafson was picked 93rd overall, but Edmonton never signed him. And so he ended up starting his career with Chicago, where he's been pretty decent in their organization. 47 points in 93 games for AHL Rockford since the beginning of the 2016-17 season. And Gustafsson, unlike the others who've had their turns in Chicago, has some offensive pedigree. Known as a smooth skating, puck-moving offensive defenseman, which his AHL numbers can attest to. So I don't have too many reservations about riding him the way you may have the other Chicago demon when they were getting their great deployment. In fact, I probably have fewer reservations for Gustafsson than the others. Uh, So as long as he's in that spot, great. Give him a shot. But again, Duncan Keith seems to be getting power play assists tonight. I haven't seen exactly how the setup is shaking out. Elon, I don't know if you've noticed, yeah, but well, that wouldn't bode well for Gustafsson. No, no, it looks like it's been like there was a power play goal from Alex Dabrinkit assisted by Keith and Schmaltz. That's the second unit. There's Kane and Taves and his friends are up on the top unit. So I'm pretty sure that Gustafsson is still there. You could check into the practice lines tomorrow and see like, you know, before you add him, if he's still on the top power play, but yeah. A very good spot for him. If you're on the top power play with Patrick Kane, you're probably worth owning. And like I said, he's even taking some shots, so he's going to help you in some other categories. Uh, Let's go to this game today between Carolina and the Islanders. As far as Carolina goes, I just want to point out that Toivo Teravainen has six goals and four assists in his last nine games. That was before today. Another assist today. I don't really have a question. I wish I had Teravainen instead of Jeff Skinner in the cupful. Skinner's been so frustrating to own, just hovering over. I can't drop him, but not really doing much for me. Teravainen, 
so good. Like one of the big su- sleeper surprises of this year. I don't think we've given him enough credit. I know we've mentioned him a couple of times. I just want to throw his name out there. You can let me know if you want to say anything about him. I also want to mention on the Islanders side that they shifted their lines around and they decided to put uh, John Tavares on the wing, apparently on the top line. So it didn't really work out that well because the Islanders lost. But I guess at least for fantasy owners, they got some points. It was a 4-3 loss to Carolina. And there was Josh Bailey scored a goal assist from Tavares. Anders Lee scored a power play goal. So that, and then Anders Lee scored another power play goal. Good game for Tavares. I don't know if that means anything. Like, is there anything to you about Tavares playing on the wing or Islanders just throwing stuff at the wall, seeing if they go, hey, uh, John, if you want to play on the wing, we could do that for you. Anything you want. Just stay with us, please. Yeah, maybe. I have no idea what they're thinking with that. I haven't seen any rationale for it yet. Something I'll probably look into tomorrow to see if there's anything to it. Going back to Tara Vinen, Elon, he's now a point-per-game player over his last 15 games since the second week of February. Eight goals and seven assists for 15 points, uh, 39 shots in that time. One thing we were down on Skinner for was that he like stopped taking shots in addition to stopping his production, but he did manage a nine-shot-on-goal game uh, was it three or four games ago? He has 18 shots over his last four games. I don't think that includes today's total, though. I'm not sure what he finished with in the game this Sunday. Uh, so that's reason to like still be sort of interested if shots on goal are going to help you. But Tovu Teravainen absolutely deserves some heavy kudos. Good on you for making sure he gets them. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying with Jeff Skinner. He gets those big shot games. Like, I guess I can't drop him. He's helping me with shots, but I'd, I'd prefer a lot more. He had like 36, 37 goals last year. It was such a great year. And then I drafted him high this year, and he's been like a borderline guy on my roster. Oh, well, what can you do? Not everyone could be amazing. Let's end on the Tampa Bay Lightning with someone who has been amazing and someone who hasn't been so amazing. First, JT Miller totally loving life right now on the top line in Tampa. I think the last time we talked about it, we said Miller's on the top line. It'll probably change. But for now, ride him. He's held that spot for a little while, playing with Kucherov and Stamkos. He had a hat trick and 10 shots on goal versus Ottawa on Tuesday. Nine points in eight game as a member of the Lightning. That was before today. He had another assist today on a goal by... Nikita Kucherov assisted by Stamkos and Miller. So it's just such a good spot. If he's somehow still available for you, you have to rush to grab JT Miller. Someone who you can't really drop, but must be frustrating the heck out of you is Andre Vasilevsky. He's been terrible over the past 10 games in 894 save percentage over that run. Two straight sub 900 save percentage games for his owners this week in their quarterfinals. Like you've had Vasilevsky all year and he's gotten you to this point and now he might have sunk you. I'd be curious to know who of the names we're going to mention in this next segment where we talk about teams who have lost, how many of them had Andre Vasilevsky as their main goalie. Man, just goes to show you can't trust a goalie. You never know what's going to happen. Curtis McElhenney could turn out to be the better option than Andre Vasilevsky on a given night. I'd imagine Vasilevsky is going to get drafted really highly next year just because Tampa's a good team and he had a good year overall. I personally, I'm not going to be taking him high. I'm going to let someone else draft Vasilevsky. I'll grab someone later on in the draft for sure. What do you think? First, I'll expand on JT Miller, seeing another 76 seconds per game with Tampa than he was with the Rangers, not to mention getting to play with a couple guys themed Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov for the past three games. And Braden Point and Yanni Gord before that, both of those line combos are better than any sets of three that JT Miller was a part of in New York with fewer minutes. So this is a wonderful situation for him. As for Vasilevsky and my goalie drafting strategy, am I going to take an early pick on him? Am I going to waste an early pick on him? No, I'm not. We talked on our patrons-only patron cast this past week about our goalie drafting strategies and how they might change going into next year. And like, I don't believe Vasilevsky to be having a crazy good season, but he's in a great spot with a strong team. 
that carries plenty of automatic value, but in a head-to-head league and save percentage being so variable and with the way the mighty have fallen this year, like Brayden Holtby, Carey Price, Matt Murray being injured so often, Craig Anderson, wink, uh, probably better ways to use those early picks than on goalies that can fluctuate and surprise us very much more often than players. And with that, Brian, we are done with the players I wanted to bring up on this episode, which means that we're at the end of the show. But before we end things, we have a tradition on Keeping Carlson, which is that we want to pay homage and say goodbye to the teams who have lost this year in fantasy hockey. It's always so tough to make it to the playoffs, work hard all year just to lose in a quarterfinal or semifinal. And Brian, I see you asked on Twitter and on our Patreon Facebook group for the teams that have been eliminated. So I think it would only be right for us to pay tribute to those that we have lost. So why don't we cue our Happy Father's Day track, which (laughs) we play for some reason as we discuss these names. And yeah, it's really sad and we're really sorry to see that you lost. Hopefully you don't blame us. Shall we start uh, remembering the ones we've lost? Go ahead, man. You do the honors. Why don't you start us off? Okay. Uh, let's start off with Sticks Out for Harambe. Oh, good name, but you lost. So too bad. Eerie Otters. Nova Rec All-Stars. Luongus Deke. Netflix and Phil. Mark Knifley. The Stormy Daniels, owned by someone named Daniel. Oh, yeah, I'm sure that's why it's called that. (laughs) Thin Blue Line. Maybe that's why you lost. Bergeron Swanson. If you own Bergeron, that's frustrating. Yeah, that sucks when you lost because of an injury. Good team name. Ah, frustrating. Did you pick up Riley Nash, at least? I don't know. Okay, Stammer's Hammer. Roll a Fleur (laughs) There you go. Generals. Barkov's Beauties. Marco Island Manatee. Soft dump in the corner. North Sask River Pilots. First place all year, bounced in round one. Oof. Ouch. Uh, Raccoon McJesus. Yager's Mullet. Brockett Richard. Triumph of the Will. Butcher. It was fair of myself that made me ought. Yeah, those last two, by the way, were patrons. I think I know that Ian was in my league and had Triumph of the Will Butcher, and he was a very worthy component. I was very surprised he didn't make the playoffs. It was like one point. Uh, too bad. Sorry. And Lewis from Tier 1 with that last team. So sucks to be them. Do we have more names, Brian? We do, including the team I am putting out of its misery tonight in the Kakupful semifinals on my way to the finals in Tier 1 Sweden, my pet rock, Rangelo. That's making fun of me. That's fine. New Team 7. In serious danger. Bradley, you could let us know. I think he's in the chat room if he ended up losing. Well, Bradley also mentioned that Blurred Lineys can be added to the list conclusively as of six hours ago. Non-Hopkins Lymphoma. (laughs) Okay. And Vova, which is a popular nickname for Vladimir. And the Very Good Keeps. VGK in brackets. (laughs) Ryan, your names are complicated. Okay. The Curious Case of Benjamin Bishop. Le Tang Clan. Something phallic with Vlasic. And that concludes our list this week of the teams that, uh, that we're remembering well, who, from the 2017-18 fantasy hockey season. If your team lost or won, tweet at us. Please tell us the result so we know which part to include you in, and we will happily shout you out for a season well or poorly performed. 
and Brian in our joint league. The matchup is still going as we speak. We're currently up by three points. Oh my God. Retaining Tavares might join the list. I hope they don't. But yeah, okay. Thanks everyone for listening to an, another episode of the show. Sorry if you were on that list of teams that got eliminated, but hopefully you'll still stick with us through the rest of the season because we're still going to be breaking down everything going on and maybe start looking forward to next year as we approach the end of the season. This has been a lot of fun. Thanks everyone in the chat room. Also, if you like the show, tweet at us at Keeping Carlson. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know. Give us your feedback. Also, if you want to give us a five-star review on iTunes, we would always really appreciate that. We also have a program for patrons of the podcast. You could throw us five bucks a month. That's like a beer for Brian or I we have to fight over it but one of us gets a beer once a month and you get a bonus episode every week I know you're thinking oh it's already over the season's over you can sign up right now for one month we're still going to keep doing our bonus content every single week through the end of the season and afterwards as well we'll figure out a schedule for that so yeah check all of that out at keepingcarlson.com slash patron but with that let's cue the outro music and Brian why don't you go ahead and read us the credits all right. This episode of the Keeping Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and supported by our patrons, including our newest ones, Shane D and Wubby N, who is immediately the best named eight. Well, actually, Toot is up there, too. Uh, this episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Corsica, Natural Stat Trek, Charting Hockey, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, and Great job, as always, Brian. Thanks again, everyone listening. We'll be back at you with another live episode next week. Until then, keep on keeping Carlson. Good luck in your fantasy playoffs. One last quick thing. Apparently, Jacob Truba got injured today, so forget everything we said about him. Don't add him if he's injured, obviously. Bye!